0: You are listening to a message from Canby Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit CanbyFoursquare.com to learn more. To be with you this morning, my name is Colin, and I have the privilege of working with our students and young adults, and uh, it's just an incredible place to serve and just watch this next generation step up in faith. And... uh, I just want to kind of update you guys a little bit about what what God has been doing in the youth, uh, especially in Canby. Uh, God's doing some pretty incredible things. Um, When I got here three years ago, I said, God, I want the keys to the schools. And I said, let's let's get after it. And uh, this spring, we've launched Bible studies, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, uh, in the middle school, in the high school. Like, we meet 7.15 Wednesday mornings in the middle school, Lunchtime in the high school, we got about seventy-five, eighty-five kids that are coming to that every week at the school, reading their Bibles, like proclaiming their faith. Like it's just amazing. It's incredible. Uh, pray for us. Like we we believe that every student should know Jesus, and what better way than to start while they're at school. So uh, that's been awesome. It's been incredible to watch that and just seeing. Our students step up in leadership, step up in inviting friends to church, uh, letting, introducing Jesus to each other. It's just been incredible. Uh, on, on the note of youth, also, uh, camp is coming up this summer. So uh, here's your way too early camp dates. Uh, high school is July 22nd through the 26th, and junior high is the 27th through the 31st. So that's high school, July 22nd through the 26th, and junior high, the 27th through the 31st. Uh, Camp is an incredible time, and pray for us as we want to bring as many students as possible uh, to come and experience Jesus at camp, because I know that's a big part of my faith journey, and I'm sure it is a lot of you, and so uh, camp is an incredible time. This morning, we're going to be in Hebrews, and we're going to be a little bit in Judges, And I am really excited. So let's pray and let's start. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for uh, all that you have planned for our lives. God, that you're good, you love us, and that everything you have for us is amazing. In your name, amen. So we've been in this Hall of Faith series, and I've been enjoying it. I hope you guys have too. I mean, what just an incredible group of people to read about. Uh, we find the Hall of Faith kind of introduction here. It says in Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up and lets us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, like the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. So, this hall of faith, these, this cloud of witnesses that we've, we've been talking about, these people that have come before us, um, I mean, really, it's who God has decided, like, hey, this is the group of people I want you to see and recognize. And the crazy thing about God is that he has chosen people who are, like, messed up. Like, if I'm going to write a book that says, hey, these are the people I want you to be like, these are the people I'm going to highlight, like, I'm going to highlight the best of the best. And if there's, like, maybe some, a mark on their record or two, like, I'm going to sweep that under the rug and I'm going to omit that. But God's like, you know what? I'm cool. Like, I mean, think about it. We start with Abraham, right? And it's like he's given away his wife as his sister. Like, I mean, that's messed up. Joseph, he just, you know, he's a bragger and he's full of himself, telling his brothers, "Hey, you're all gonna worship me. Like, bow down." Uh, you know, we got we got Moses. I mean, we got all these guys, and there's each one of them. We've learned has been this, like, oh my gosh. They're pretty imperfect. Actually, they're a little messed up. So I are you I'm thankful that God uses messed up people to do his work. Amen. And so we've got we've got this list of people and you know being able to share on Gideon is so fun because uh, you know, he he's really cool and it's got a really cool story. But again, I was like, oh, huh. He wasn't like all that great to begin with. And so I'm like, all right, another guy that I can. I can identify with. Uh, so God, God's okay with using imperfect people. Like his plan is greater than our imperfections, is greater than our flaws, and I'm just so thankful for that. So we're going to pick it up in Hebrews 11.32 is where we actually meet Gideon, and it says, how much more do I need to say? It would take so long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned into strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to fight. flight. Like, that fires me up. That gets me super excited, right? Like, like these, this is amazing. This is incredible. Like, this is the power of faith. This is what faith can do. This is what trusting God can do. We can, we can shut the mouths of the line. We can win battles. Like, like I, that, and that gets me excited. And, I, and, like, when I'm talking about faith, I'm like, all right, we got this. Like, I can't wait to see what God's going to do in my life and those around me. So we, we meet Gideon. And kind of here's here's where Gideon is. Is Israel experiences uh, they they become overcome by the Midianites, right? So they they go and they're doing their journey, and then at this point, the Midianites would come, and they didn't occupy them. Like it wasn't like the Midianites like in like held them captive. What they would do is the Midianites would come and they would raid the camps, they would raid the fields, they would steal all their food, kill their livestock, like take whatever they wanted, and then they would jet back, right? Like they're like, okay, thanks, see you again next year, Uh, and so that's where Israel is at. Is they keep doing this, and so like as I'm reading this, it's kind of funny. I don't know, this is probably why I work with junior hires and high schoolers, but my mind went to, have you guys seen A Bug's Life? Right? Like the Bible describes the Midianites as locusts, so I, this is the closest footage we could find of what the Midianite raid actually looked like, and we're going to show that to you right now. So there you go. That is, the, uh, that, is, that is the closest to live footage we could find of what those raids look like. Um, so if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Judges 6.11. And what we have here is where, where we meet Gideon, where the introduction to Gideon uh, comes. And it says, then the Lord of the angel came and sat beneath the tree at Oprah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abizar, Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles that our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord, Gideon replied, How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least of my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. So we meet Gideon. Like, what a great introduction. He's hiding, right? He's hiding because the Midianites are going to come, and he's threshing wheat in a winepress uh, because he's like, there's no way they're going to look for wheat in a winepress. So really, he's, one, he's a coward, He's selfish, and he's you know, sitting there hiding, and so what I love about this is, like, still, this is who, jo- who God has chosen to use. Like, even though he's hiding, even though he's selfish, like, God's, gonna, God's got big plans for him, and so I'm sure Gideon's hiding, so the angel appearing to him startled him, right? Like... I don't know about you, but sometimes I play hide-and-seek with my niece. She's, like, four, and uh, I'm, like, hiding in the closet, and I'm, like, getting sweaty, and I'm, like, panicking, right? Like, oh, I hope she doesn't find me. I hope she doesn't find me. Like, how much scarier would it be if you knew the Midianites were coming uh, to raid and steal from you? So, uh, so startled Gideon, and then, like, I would imagine if I'm, like, Gideon, um, he's, like, are you being sarcastic, angel? Right? Like, thanks, mighty warrior. Okay, yeah, right. Like, I'm hiding. You know I'm hiding. And so, you know, are you being sarcastic? And then what I love is, like, Gideon says, okay, if you really are an angel of the Lord, prove it. So the angel says, here's what I want you to do. Go make a little food, a little broth. Set it on a rock and watch what happens. So then the angel of the Lord, uh, he zaps it, microwaves it, Kind of, and uh, then it disappears. So it's really like really awesome. It's crazy, um, and then so he's asking for proof that this angel is from God. He's like, I just want to make sure that this is this is real. Uh, but then, the, after the angel proves himself, Gideon's like, Ah, ooh, I'm me, the the weakest of the least of. I'm gonna lead Israel in the battle. I would imagine that Gideon's insecurity was overwhelming. Because I think, I mean, we can all identify with a point in our life where we we feel insecure, where we feel like maybe I'm not up for the task. You know, I, I mentioned that, you know, we're at the school's Wednesdays. Every time I go to the middle school, my junior high insecurities come back over me. Like, every insecurity that I had comes back. Like, God, I don't think you've called me here. This is, not, this is not where you want me to go. Like, they're judging me. They're looking at my shoes. They're making fun of my pants. They're making fun of my shirt. Like, my hair's not done right. Like, all those things, right? You remember what it's like, those insecurities I have. And then what's great is the Lord's really pushing me because then I got to do it again at the high school later on that morning. And so it's, it's really a test. But God's like, hey, even though you have this insecurity, I've still got plans for you. And the same is true for you. Like, even though you may have these insecurities, maybe you may have these fears about things that are going on in your life, about maybe sharing your faith, about things that God has planned for you, God's going to push through. And he's going to use you anyway. He's going to use us despite our insecurity. So then we we continue on in the story and fast forward just a little bit. And, you know, finally, Gideon's getting ready to test the Lord and say, All right, God, if this is really you, if you're truly going to use me to rescue Israel as you promised, prove it. Right? And he says, I'm going to put this wool fleece out on the floor tonight. And if the fleece is wet with dew in the morning, but the ground is dry, then I know it's true right? I know it's true. So when Gideon got up the next morning, he squeezed the fleece and wrung it out into a bowl full of water. Like, God did it. God answered Gideon's test, okay? But then Gideon said to God, please don't be angry with me, but let me make one more request. Let me use the fleece for one more test. That's so funny to me. Right? Ah, let's, let's be 100% sure here. So Gideon said to God, this time, let the fleece remain dry while the ground around it is wet with dew. So that night, God did as Gideon asked. If I was God, I wouldn't have done that. I would have just made him go. So that night, God did as Gideon asked. The fleece was dry in the morning, but the ground was covered with dew. All this for Gideon to even agree to lead the Israelite army. All of this to even just get him to agree to it. And then, adding to it, right, Gideon somehow becomes the leader of the Israelite army. If I'm an Israelite, Gideon's not a guy I'm trusting to lead me into battle. Right? Like... He's not, he's not a guy, like, he's the least of, he's the weakest, he was the guy who was hiding. Ah, that's not who I'm choosing to follow in the battle, right? Like, I want to follow somebody who's tough and who's going to lead us and charge and all of these things. So one thing that I'm learning is God's going to help convince others of his plan. Because it would have taken God. And uh, so God tells Gideon... Hey, go, we've got this, we're going to do this. So he gets an army, right? And therefore, he says, I, make, I want you to know, I want you to know for sure that I'm doing this, that it's not you. So he says, whoever is timid or afraid, they can leave the mountain and go home. So 22,000 of them went home. I'm one of those 22,000. I'm scared, I don't want to die, see ya. So leaving them so with 10,000. So the, you know, we got 32,000. Oh, by the way, they're going to fight 135,000 people. Math numbers right there don't really line up. So he's got 10,000 who are willing to fight. Then it goes downhill really fast because God's like, Nah, no, nah, no. Nah, nah. That army's still too big. So he said, go down, drink some water. If they cup it up, like, they're good to go, but if they lap it out of the river like a dog, then send them home. So, we've got this 10,000 goes down to 300 to fight 135,000 Midianites. You saw what the Midianites look like. They're scary. <laughs> so then... Gideon, you know, God gives dreams out to the Midianites that, you know, a big thing of bread is going to roll over you and kill you. Like, so they're all scared. They're like, we're going to die. We're going to (laughs) die. And then Gideon wakes up. They go down. They're smashing pots. And all of a sudden, the Midianites wake up, and they start attacking each other. And the Israelites are like, oh, cool. We didn't have to do anything. Like, those 300 are relieved, right? Because then when they go into attack, they're like, oh, they're fighting each other. This is great. But it just proves that God did it. And that's what God wants us to get out of the story, is that God did it. God fights the battles. God does the heavy lifting. Like, 300 men take out an army of 135,000. Like, that's incredible. That's amazing. It's God. It's how God works. It's how God operates. And I think that there's a lot that we can learn from this story. I really believe that there's kind of, I kind of picked up three things that I think God wants us to know. Uh, the first is that what we think about ourselves is not how God thinks about us. Like how we think about ourselves, right? I just, we just got done with, with a series in youth we called I Declare War, and really it was declaring war against ourselves and the things that we tell ourselves and the lies that we choose to believe and how we act and how we talk and how we, you know, go about our life that, you know, God really has good things in store for us and God thinks really highly of you. It's whether we choose to live that out or not. And what we have is Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts and neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than the ways than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. What God thinks of you is, he thinks you're amazing. He thinks you're incredible. He doesn't look at your flaws, at your disqualifications. He doesn't look at your insecurities. He doesn't look at your deficiencies. No, God knows who he created you to be. God knows who he created you to be. And so what his thoughts are about you is not who you are currently, but who you can be. He knows what you can do. And his voice is always positive towards you. Like when you feel convicted about something, like God doesn't condemn you. Like it's not condemnation. That's just God going, hey, like, there's better things out there for you. When he thinks of you, he lo- he's just proud of you. He just loves you. And I think we, we sometimes adapt the voices of others as maybe God in our life. Like, I can think of an example. Uh, in sixth grade, I had a teacher. She was awful. She was just, ter- she was just terrible. And... Uh, she told she made me stand up in the middle of class a sixth grader. And cuz I was goofing off. I know, surprise. Um, but I was goofing off distracting, you know, 90% of the class and she said, "Mr. Reed, stand up." Okay, crap. You know, I'm in trouble. Here we go. And she said, "You're going to be lucky if you get a job at McDonald's flipping burgers." Sixth grade teacher, right? This is supposed to be the person who is encouraging me, teaching me, leading me, like helping me discover that anything's possible in life, right? And you know what? I've spent a lot of my life battling just that voice, like adapting that to God. And I think we can all probably think of a point in our lives where somebody has shared or said something negative about us that we've adapted as truth. But what I love about God is he's combated that, and he's put me in a place where it's like, dude, that's, look at how much, look at my plan. Look at what I think of you. And what I think God is more like is I have a friend. Um, we, we did ministry together for about six years, and we're still just best friends. And I just, like, he's, he's nothing like me. Uh, his name's Andrew, and he is the most encouraging person Ever. Like, every time I'm around him, he's smiling. He's like, oh, man, I just, you're just the man. Like, you're so great. I'm like, yeah, keep it coming. Like, come on, right? Like, and I think that's more, that's very true to what God thinks about. It. Like, you're the man. You're awesome. You're great. You can do this. Like, I've got good plans for you. I've got good things in store for you. That's, like, the voice. If you have a voice in your head that says you're nothing or you don't, you don't matter, like, get rid of that and adapt a voice like that because that's how God is. God, is, God looks at you and he's like, man, you got this. Like, I'm so glad that I have you leading your family. I'm so glad that I have you in this place at work. I'm so glad I have you at this place at school because you are going to do amazing things. Like, that's God's thoughts for you. That's why his thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts because we can't even imagine what God has for us. I mean, think about Gideon, right? We look back at Gideon. Think of the movie that played out, like if he was going to write a movie, the movie was that the Midianites didn't come and steal his wheat from the wine press and that he lived. Like that's the plan, I would imagine that's probably the movie that Gideon would have wrote for himself, right? Like this is how this plays out and I'm good with that. And God's like, dude, you have no idea what I have in store for you. You have no idea what amazing plan I have ahead of you. So here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna go take 300 guys and you're gonna defeat the Midianites. How's that for a movie? How's that for his story? Like, that's incredible. And what, what's yours? You know, what movie, what movie did you have planned out for your life? I remember at 19, I knew, I knew exactly how my life was gonna be, I knew exactly how it was gonna turn out. And I can confidently tell you 10 years later, it's not. But you know what it is? It's way better than I thought it could have been. It's way more amazing. I mean, I was even this weekend, I was with a bunch of next-gen leaders from our district for Foursquare. And we were at lunch and... A buddy of mine got married recently, and I was talking to her, and she goes, oh, I, I dated this guy that went to your high school. And I was like, oh, yeah, I know him. I was friends with his older sister. And she's like, oh, we were probably at parties together. And I was like, but we're both here. Like, how much better is God's plan for us, right? Like, both of us are leading ministries, and it's like, where, where does God take you? Like it's incredible, right? Like what we think God what we think is the best plan for our life is nothing compared to what God has in store for you. The next thing that we learn is that it's okay to question God. Anybody ever had questions? Questions about God? Go ahead and raise your hand. Like this is a safe place. Uh, man, I, I think I've questioned God three or four times this week. Are you sure? Are you sure this is what you have for me? But we learn that from, from Gideon, right? He's like, hey, okay, this really is an angel. Like, prove it. So then he proves it, and he's like, okay, that was cool, but can you do this? He puts the fleece out, right? And then he's like, I know, you, I know you proved yourself with this fleece the first time, but God, don't be mad. I want to, I want to test again. The best part is, is God's not insecure like we are, Right? When people start questioning me, I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, I don't know. Uh, uh," I get all insecure and, like, try to, like, you know, status up and try to, like, act like I know, you know, oh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. uh Like, you know what I'm talking about? I know I didn't say anything right there, but everybody knew. (laughs) He's okay with your questions. He's okay with you saying, are you sure, God? God. Are you sure you want me to invite that coworker to church are you Are you sure you want me to love that person? Are you sure you want me to to pray for for this you want you want me to go where you want me to do what and it's okay hey, prove it like ask him hey like I have a friend, he said, the worst thing you know, anybody could ever say is no when you ask a question. And then you know, right? You know it's not from God. So ask God. Like if you're going through stuff, ask God. Hey, put something out and say, prove it. He's secure enough to handle your questions. But if you test him, be ready for him to answer. If you call him out, be ready for him to show up. And then be ready to do what he's asked you to do. So it's okay to question, but you've got to be ready to step up. And that's the hard part. It's easy to say, are you sure? But it's really hard to step up and to say okay I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. That's where Gideon the faith comes in. That's where that's why he's in the Hall of Faith. Because when the time came and he questioned God and God answered, he didn't go back to his wine press. He didn't go back into his insecurity. He decided to trust God. And go where he called him to. And in that, he defeats the Midianites. So be ready if you question God for him to answer and be ready to experience something incredible where he does what only he can do. But it takes faith, it takes trusting him. But lastly, if we want to experience what he has, the fullness of life God has for us, we have to completely trust God. We have to trust him at his word. You know, he said, I am who I say I am. Like, we have to trust that he is. We have to trust that what he has for us is good. The plans that he has in store for you are amazing. That when you follow him and you trust him, you're not going to fall on your face. Like God said, he's like, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I will keep working on you until the day of completion. Until you die, God will work on you. Right? Until you die, he is continually going to be cheering you on. He's going to continually be calling you to do incredible things for him. But it takes complete trust which is really easily said, right? It's, oh yeah, I gotta gotta trust God. It's another thing when maybe you're risking your status. It's another thing maybe when you're risking relationship. It's another thing when maybe you're risking losing it all. It is. It is. But just like Gideon, right? We said the movie that he had in, you know, for his life, right? He's probably in the wine press. The movie that God had written out for his life. Defeat the Midianites and lead Israel into a, a time of freedom and worshiping God and doing that. And so, I don't know. What, what's God calling you to? What, what, you know, what things does God have in store for you? What things, like, what dream, wild dreams, right? What wild dreams has God placed in your heart? What wild things that you thought, may, maybe you think are impossible. Maybe you think it was the bad pizza you ate before you went to bed. You know, maybe what we, the wildest dreams. Your wildest dreams aren't even close to God's wildest dreams for you. He's got good things in store for you. Turn to your neighbor and let them know, hey, God's got good things in store for you. He's got good things in store for you. God's going to call you to audacious things because he can deliver. He knows he can deliver. He knows that he can do big things. And you know what it takes? It takes a lot of prayer for Courage if you want to really trust God in everything, you really want to experience the fullness, is it takes courage. It takes faith. It takes stepping out and saying, you know what, God, I'm going to trust what you have for me. So here's how I want to close. Maybe you've got a wild dream that for some of you happened 50 years ago. Maybe God put something wild in your heart 50 years ago, 40 years, 30 years ago but you've kept it aside. Maybe, maybe God put somebody in your life that you're supposed to share the gospel with, but you've kind of pushed it aside. Ah. Maybe God's called you to take a risk in life. You kind of, ah, like maybe someday. So I would ask you, if you would love some courage, stand with me, and I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for courage. So if you want if you want some courage to stand up and do what God's called you to do, you want to take a step of faith, stand with me. God, we thank you so much for being who you say you are. God, you're the author and perfecter of our faith. God, I pray right now that each person here standing God, would experience a new level of faith, a new level of courage to step out and trust you. God, you are so good, and you're going to continue to work on us for our whole lives. But God, right now, I pray that boldness comes and arises within us. God, that a boldness would come and stir within us, that God, we wouldn't be able to stop until we've seen the fulfillment of your plan for our lives. We, we thank you for loving us, for caring for us, and being so, so good to us. God, thank you that your life plan for us is not what our life plan is. That, God, you are our, you are our biggest fan, our biggest cheerleader, and our, our big, uh, like, biggest advocate. Give us the courage to stay, take steps of faith in you and your name. Amen. Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through canbyfoursquare.com.